This talk is brought to you by iBiology.org, and this audio was taken from a video available on our website. What if I told you that a machine shaped like a box and operated by a woman was crucial to end World War II? A machine far less sophisticated than any of our smartphones was instrumental in decoding Nazi communications, which led to their defeat and to the end of the war. This is interesting, but there is another war going on. A war that is taking more than 16,000 lives every year. That we have been fighting longer than World War I and World War II combined. And the principle behind this machine can help us win it. I'm talking about the war against brain cancer. Like the woman scientists that back in 1940 were to decode Nazi communications and in World War II, I developed a technique to intercept and decode messages that come from the tumor. To find out whether it's cancer or not, and whether the treatment administrated to the patient is working. Also, tumors make codes that could help them to shut down immune responses. I'm grateful to have a wonderful team working by my side to use the same principles as they used back in 1940 to break the brain tumor code and play my part in the war against brain cancer. What happens when you get a brain tumor? Brain tumors are typically diagnosed through tissue histopathology and MRI. The diagnosis and resection of these tumors normally involve painful and very invasive surgeries and brain biopsies. For the time of diagnosis, through surgery, through rehabilitation, and sometimes even hospice cares, the total cost rounds around $600,000 to $700,000. Due to inflammation and cell death caused by treatment, MRIs are sometimes not as reliable and not as effective to assess response to treatment. My mentor is also a neurosurgeon that operates multiple patients every week. On these two MRI scans, there is a real tumor and one that is not real. Can you guess which one is which? Us either. And both of them underwent surgery regardless, which is a big problem to have. This patient didn't have to undergo surgery. This scan is just showing inflammation caused by treatment. But unfortunately, MRIs are not that smart to distinguish that. The real tumor is this scan. How would you feel if you or a loved one undergoes surgery or treatment without having to? This is why an alternative method to diagnose and monitor treatment outcome is so necessary, since it would prevent unnecessary interventions to patients. Also, imagine not getting very painful biopsies and surgery and just a blood draw instead. What if we can study the code from brain tumors using this, um, this blood draws? Wouldn't that be cool? And before we address this non-invasive technique, I would explain what type of brain tumor we're working on. We're working with glioblastomas or GBNs that are the most aggressive and lethal of brain tumors. The standard of care is surgery, chemotherapy, and radiotherapy. And there are more than 18,000 newly diagnosed patients every year in the United States. Despite all the aggressive treatment that these patients receive, it's very fatal and very lethal, this disease. And also, the patient's immune system shuts down almost completely. For my thesis project, I focus on grade fours that are the more malignant and the most lethal ones. And we propose using extracellular vesicles, or EVs, as a non-invasive tool for GVM diagnosis and treatment monitoring. EVs are teeny tiny particles that are shed from tumors and also healthy cells 
They come in different flavors and varying sizes. We have small EVs that range from 50 to 100 nanometers in size, large EVs that range from 100 to 1,000 nanometers in size, and apoctotic bodies that are the biggest ones, from 1,000 to 5,000 nanometers. They are released from GVMs into the tumor microenvironment, as you may see in the picture, and they contain proteins that are very specific to tumor cells. And we can measure the amount of these proteins that are inside of the vesicles as a cargo. As well, we can characterize other proteins coming from tumors and their size. So we are able to distinguish what is really an EV from other types of particles. And like I said, it's very important to note that these particles could be released from healthy cells and healthy tissues as well, not only from tumors. Tumors need the perfect environment to grow and disseminate throughout the body. Therefore, they need to control nearby cells and tissue to create the conditions that enable their growth and dissemination throughout the body. For this purpose, they send encoded messages inside of the extracellular vesicles to make healthy cells do their bidding. Cracking the tumor code inside of these particles could allow us and empower doctors with useful techniques for early cancer diagnosis and also successful treatment monitoring for these patients. It will be a liquid biopsy extracted from the blood. And my research aims to break the EV code inside of these particles and devise a counterattack in this war. But before breaking any code, the first thing that we were interested in finding out was the profile of these particles. And the first question that we posed was, can we efficiently isolate small EVs in GVM patients? Small vesicles are enriched for proteins. So that means that there is an increase of proteins in the smallest vesicles that there is, that this one's range from 50 to 100 nanometers in size. And these kind of particles are the focus of my thesis project because of this reason. So the first thing that we wanted to demonstrate was to validate our technique, the technique that we develop in our lab, and test if we can enrich or augment the amount of small EVs in both patients and normal donors. In this graph, in the y-axis, you can see the concentration that equals particles per ml, and in the x-axis, you can see the size in nanometers of these particles. So for patients, this graph, what it's showing is that we are successfully able to enrich for particles that range from 50 to 100 nanometers in size. And the same thing is true for normal donors, as you may see in this next peak. We can efficiently isolate particles that range from a 50 to 100 nanometers in size. And most importantly, that are enriched for proteins, the tumor proteins that we want to study. Also, to further validate our technique, we were interested in testing the expression, the protein expression, the presence of proteins that are characteristic from EVs. All these markers are typical EV markers, and we just wanted to find out if we can find them in the samples derived from patients and normal donors. And the answer is yes. We can see the presence of these proteins in both patients and normal donors, again, validating our technique. There are a number of ways that gliomas are stratified, and we try to divide this, this stratification by different categories to compare the profile of the EVs derived. 
And the first question that we wanted to address is that, the, are there any differences in GBM patients' small EVs based on tumor type? And the first stratification that we tried was based on tumor grades. We have grade two gliomas that are low risk, less likely to grow and spread. We have grade three gliomas that are higher risk than grade two, and they can grow quickly. And finally, we have grade four GBMs, which are the scope of my thesis project, that are the most little ones and can grow and spread faster throughout the body. These are all different types of grades, and we were interested, again, in seeing if there were any differences in the profiling of the EVs derived from these different tumor grades. And the first thing that we wanted to address is that if there were any differences whatsoever in particle size. Again, we're measuring particle size in nanometers and comparing normal donors or healthy controls to the different grades of gliomas. And we found that there were no differences whatsoever in particle size between these tumor grades and normal donors. And also, we were interested in finding out the concentration, the amount of these particles in the blood in these different groups. And we didn't find any differences on the total number of particles in the blood amongst these different glioma grades. So the take-home message from this graph is that when we stratify the tumor by grades, we don't see any differences. And this was very, very helpful to know. The next stratification of tumors that we try was comparing new versus recurrent tumors. The newly diagnosed tumors, are they have better chances of survival, of course, because it's the first time that they have been diagnosed, in comparison to the recurrent tumors. that are simply tumors that are coming back for a second, for a third time. And these tumors are normally more aggressive, and they have less, and the patient has less chances of survival. So we wanted to compare the EVs, the extracellular vesicles derived from these two types of tumors, as well as healthy controls, comparing the EVs derived from healthy controls. And again, we compare particle size, and we didn't find any differences between new and recurrent tumors and normal donors, nor we find any differences in the total number of particles between new and recurrent tumors. So that's the take-home message here. No differences in this stratification. The next stratification that we want to study was tumor mutations. And it is well known that in glioblastoma and in other types of cancers, this mutation can predict survival. In this curve, in the y-axis, there is the probability of survival in percentage. Here we're comparing people with mutations versus no mutations in general. And what this graph is showing us that for glioblastoma specifically, Patients that have mutations tend to do better and have a better prognosis in comparison to patients that have wild-type tumors. And this is interesting because for most cancers and other disease, mutations are normally associated with worse prognosis or worse chances of survival. And in glioblastoma, it's quite the opposite. And here, something very interesting that we found when comparing particle size is that we did find differences in particle size between the gliomas with the worst prognosis, which are the wild type ones, and normal donors. And even more interesting, we found differences in total number of particles between gliomas with the worst prognosis or the wild type gliomas and normal donors. 
our hypothesis is that because these tumors tends to be more aggressive, they might release more particles into the bloodstream to contribute to shut down the immune response and successfully eliminate the cancer from the body. In summary for this first part, we can efficiently enrich for small EVs, and small EVs in GVM patients are different from normal donors in that the worst prognosis are slightly smaller but more frequent. So the next thing that we wanted to address is was inflammatory signals. Can, how can we decode other messages coming from the, from the immunological part of the disease? Since the immune system of these patients is shut down, what, what information can we obtain from that? EVs are known to be immune mediators in normal and in tumor conditions because, like I said, healthy cells can also release EVs into the bloodstream. And this function is very important to mediate cell-to-cell -cell communication in normal conditions, as well as other important processes in the body. But they are very important immune mediators, and they can just shut down any immune response elicited towards the tumor and prevent important immunological processes when these EVs are released from tumor cells and are uptake by immune cells and by other cells in the body. Our immune system is like an army. We have patrols, we have messages, and we have soldiers. The patrols are the receptors, and they are in charge of surveillance, of just checking that everything is under control and alerting the rest of the immune system if there is a virus, if there is something going on, in this case, a cancer. We also have messages that are cytokines or proteins that can alert immune cells, which are the soldiers, to do their job, to just be called into duty and just understand that there is something going on, something wrong going on in the body, and they need to become activated. But there are some problems with the army in brain tumor patients, specifically with the messages that alert the soldier or the immune cells. These messages normally go down in the patients. What causes this is that the immune cells don't become alert, don't become activated in a successful way to get rid of the cancer. For that reason, we were interested in studying the expression of these cytokines or proteins in the EVs derived from the patients. And in these graphs, what we're studying is the concentration in the y-axis, which is picograms per mole, in different two-sample cohorts, in the normal donors and also in the patients. And as you may see here, very important inflammatory proteins that are in charge of activating the immune response and activating the immune cells are all decreased, are all reduced in the patients in comparison to normal donors, which makes sense because it is well known by the literature that this patient's immune system is shut down. Also, the immune cells or the soldiers need some activation, some boost, some energy boost. It's like a co-stimulatory molecule. And we were interested on seeing what is the expression of these co-stimulatory molecules in the patients in comparison to normal donors. And we found that these co-stimulatory molecules were all decreased across the board in patients versus normal donors. Again, validating our point that the immune system of these patients is shut down and they cannot elicit an effective immune response to get rid of the cancer. In summary, we also demonstrate that these patients have an immunosuppressed profile 
and that they have a decreased costimulatory profile that doesn't allow the patients to respond effectively to the cancer. Something that I want to emphasize is that all these results come from pool EVs without sorting a specific tumor EVs. However, we're still seeing a signature that is very specific to the behavior of the tumor. So now that we know their profile and what they're capable of doing, what's next? We wanted to take a look at other types of molecules that are involved in brain cancer. And it is well known that protein and microRNA-based signatures could be diagnostic biomarkers for glioblastoma and for other types of cancer. What are microRNAs? MicroNAs are just molecules that help cells to control the kind and the amount of proteins they make. They're basically gene expression controllers. And it is known for GVM, for other cancers, that these EV proteins and RNA molecules are important mediators of cell-to-cell communication during the disease, and that also they could predict clinical outcome. And this is true for other types of cancer as well, for melanoma, for colon cancer, for prostate cancer, among others. And in GBM patients, it is known that there are specific proteins and microRNA signatures that have been associated with poor outcome in patients. What we want to do next is investigate if there are any GBM-associated microRNA signal in bulk EVs, in circulating EVs, and in tumor cell derived EVs. So first, we're going to study these same circulating EVs that we studied before for the profiling part, and we're going to perform short non-coding RNA sequencing, including microRNA sequencing on them to understand the signatures, to understand from where they're coming from. We are developing a diagnostic test, a diagnostic test is currently under underway to detect cancer in a non-invasive way. And this is one of the best tools that we have so far. Also, with the new tools provided, we can actually investigate the origin of the particle. Is it really coming from the tumor or is it coming from other cells in the body? For this purpose, we can use a fluorescent compound that is called 5LA that is used for better resection of tumors in the OR when, when neurosurgeons and are operating on patients. And it fluoresces in a pink-red spectrum. And our goal is to track down EVs that specifically come from tumors and that fluoresce in the same color. In that way, we can also perform short non-coding RNA sequencing and understand the signature and the origin of these particles. In summary, I hope I convinced you that we develop a non-invasive technique to diagnose and monitor patients with brain tumors that also we can enrich or augment small particles that are different in patients in comparison to healthy controls. And we demonstrate this by comparing the size, also the expression of cytokines and proteins and costimulatory molecules. And that these particles in patients may reflect the brain tumor composition by analyzing RNA and other proteins inside of them as cargo and that we could detect and know the origin of these particles using fluorescence. Thank you.